So um, the first uh, over there at the left, number one, this is something for everybody, for all of us, relevant to all of us. Uh, this is about being engaged and involved in your own, maintaining your own health and keeping healthy. So we talk in the paper about the recent uh, NICE guidance on individual approach, approaches to behaviour change, the advice there for people about how to focus on uh, supporting people to, to think about their own health and take the steps they need to take to maintain healthy. And we talk also about how important it is to address people's motivations and capabilities, uh, their, their values, preferences and interests, their level of engagement in thinking and capacity for thinking about um, their own health when they may have, as in all of this, a life way, way and far beyond them and their own health. The second one here is also, I think, relevant to everybody, this concept of shared decision-making. So all of us, whenever we reach a point of a decision to be made about our health and care, need to be able to make that decision with the professionals that guide us and help us. We know too, don't we, that generally there's good evidence to show that clinicians, be they GPs, uh, specialists, uh, nurses and others, tend to think that they are doing shared decision-making, as it were, that they are sharing decisions with patients more than they are. I was fortunate enough to be at a fantastic session run by um, all of the specialist societies of the Royal Colleges of Physicians um, not long ago, where the absolute great and grand of the medical profession were given personally some uh, training in shared decision-making by uh, Alf Collins and the Health Foundation. And to a man, and they were all men at that point, I think that's changed now, but they were, they were at that point a couple of years ago, to a man they all said, we thought we did this in our daily practice, uh, but now we all realise that maybe we didn't, maybe we don't, and we're going to go away and change. The third element here, I guess moving into number three and four here, thinking particularly about people with long-term conditions. So we look in number three at supported self-management, the idea that those of us with uh, one or more long-term conditions live with those conditions as part of our daily life. And what we want the health system to help us do is allow those conditions to have the least damaging effect possible on the ability to, for, for us to maintain our life, to live our life, to achieve the goals we want to achieve in the ways that we do. And supported self-management is the way that the system could and should um, be helping us do that. The fourth section of the paper, personal health and social care budget. So there's been a real big commitment to that just recently, hasn't there, um, nationally from NHS England to ex extending and embedding uh, access to personal, personal health budgets. But there are huge practical challenges that we know of, don't we? Lots of good evidence, as in all of these, as Jeremy said, all of these areas have good evidence for why they're important and indeed how to do them. But there are still huge practical challenges about uh, giving people access to the advice and independent brokering that they need to... to um, to manage those budgets, indeed giving people full access, in, in timely access to information about how much money they might have in their personal health and care budget to spend. And, and bigger issues too then about feeding that, uh, those decisions that are made through people exercising power over commissioning through, com through personal health budgets into kind of wider commissioning. Because I guess one of the concepts, one of the ideas behind personal health and social care budgets, of course, is that al by allowing people to spend money themselves on the services that they want to help live their life and maintain their own health, we begin to allow people to have access to services that perhaps the health service uh, doesn't realise yet people want. And we want that information to be able to feed into wider commissioning. So we begin to build a system that is providing the services that people, uh, that people truly want and need. 
We've separated out in the fifth section involving families and carers. Now, of course, we had some debates about whether we just wanted to talk about involving families and carers throughout all of these other elements, and, of, and we do, and, 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 and I think it's, it's important to. But we've separated out involving families and carers because it does take a particular attention of our professionals. It does require that. It requires a particular focus. It requires, for instance, that we know who the carers are in this country, that we identify um, carers and help people understand, help the system, help professionals understand who they are uh, and what help they need. And so we talk in that section also about you know, how important it is for clinical teams to see families and carers as genuine partners in care delivery patients. Another uh, sort of active choice here was to split out this next one, number six, choice of provider. Now, I think, I think if we lived in another country, we might not choose to split it out as a separate section. But this idea of choice of provider, you know, choosing where you go, which hospital you go to for your care and team, it was just, it was the, it was the way that the previous, the last Labour government really, really um, went for it, didn't they, about, um, in, this, in this whole agenda about patient involvement. It was the thing they chose to prioritise. People need choice. They want choice. They want to have choice over where to go, who to see, where to go for their outpatient appointment. It was, a, it was part of the last Labour government's attempt, wasn't it, to, um, to massively and indeed successfully reduce long waiting lists for elective treatment, saying, OK, one of the ways we're going to clamp down on these uh, and tackle these long waiting lists is by letting people go anywhere they choose for their treatment and indeed opening up independent sector treatment centres for some of that elective care too. So it feels like, it feels like we need to separate it out beca- because of our England context. In fact, of course... Where you go should be just as much a part of any shared decision-making conversation as you know, who you're seen by and what treatment you get, you know, what your care package is. But we've chosen to, to split it out there, I guess, because of the particular policy focus in this country. And we know we've still got a long way to go. There was a survey only earlier this year about patients in England that said that still only half of those had ever had a conversation with their GP before they were referred about where, where they should go for that appointment. Number seven here is participation in in research. Um, So the NAHR, the National Institute for Health Research, conducted a mystery shopper exercise, um, I think last year it was, and found that, for instance, this is just one example, but found that only about 10% of hospitals in this country provide, suggest anywhere in their public notice boards or public information that they are a place where um, research is done and a place where you could um, get involved in participating in research and getting access to leading-edge treatments. And then the final section here, section 8, evaluating services through feedback. So I guess what we're saying here is that fundamental to this This whole agenda is a system that genuinely understands, listens to, and seeks to improve what it hears about from patients. So um, here we talk about how important it is to get for the system to uh, get data from patients, get information from patients about how they're experiencing their care and information that they can use, not the kind of high-level summative satisfaction surveys that might give you a sense of a sort of comparative performance but don't really help people on the front line understand what it is they need to do to help people's experience be better in future. So I hope that makes sense to you. Those eight areas are what we'll then go on to talk about. People cut, as Jeremy said, people cut this agenda in all sorts of different ways. Uh, And I think although we seek in this report to offer, as, as Jeremy said, a certain amount of conceptual clarity, I would be the first to say that there isn't one answer to this. This isn't one thing. There isn't, this isn't the, the one and only answer to what we need, you know, what individual involvement in health and care is. But it's our attempt to 
um, to offer a framework that um, certainly we found useful.